Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Galactica Actually. Today we'll be covering the episode The Hand of God, Season 1, Episode 10. I am A. Diallo Jackson, and my co-host is... Jamie Smith. Uh, How are you doing today, Jamie? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, cruising along at warp speed. (laughs) It is... So cold and so rainy here today. Oh, wow. How the tables have turned. (laughs) Oh, that's right. You guys are getting so much rain on that coast for a while. It was like four months. It was like four months. (laughs) Straight rain and cold. I could not handle it. I know it's like whiny, but there was major depression going on for a lot of people over here. So (laughs) Every time I sit here and look out my window and I'm like, Ugh, this rain. And then I remember, hey, self, haven't you been dreaming about moving to Seattle? Stop <laughs> complaining in your brain about the rain. Yeah. I was actually saying I might as well move to Seattle as much as it was raining. <laughs> it just was every day. It was crazy. I just... Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's been... But it was like... It was like 80 degrees here yesterday. Okay. And today it's in the 40s and rainy. So I'm just like, I don't... I don't know need to figure this shit out yeah i just like i like consistency with my weather so i don't mind if it's <laughs> cold per se or hot per se but it just like if it if it's jumping back and forth then we're not not we're not going to get along very well so they probably don't have these problems on the galactica it's probably you know air condition controlled you know i was actually kind of thinking about that <laughs> Because, uh, like, uh, we uh, we talked about it offline, so I finally pulled the trigger and bought the box set, for the Blu-ray box set, which I've, I've never actually owned, even though I've watched the show a billion times. But I was looking at the box set, and I kind of, my attention got drawn to um, Apollo, and he was wearing the suit that he wears as a, as a lawyer, or not even that, as a lawyer, as like a government representative in season four. And then I was like, where'd you get that suit? <laughs> <laughs> and 
Yeah, and then I started thinking about that. I was like, yeah, they where do they get all their wardrobes and stuff? And <laughs> yeah, I I have thought about that a little bit more in season four uh-huh. than I did earlier yeah. because everybody kind of wore the same clothes for the longest time. Right. And now all of a sudden we've got Lee in suits and the Cylons have an array of clothes. Yeah. They can dress. But, they dress nice. Yeah. 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 Especially the sixes. Yeah. Especially six. She's stylish. Styling. But everybody else is walking around in their, like, their flight suits look super, super hot and not hot like, hey. Mm-hmm. But, like, <laughs> they've got to be sweating. Yeah. And then they've got their tank tops that they wear all the time otherwise. I read something about that. Did you show it to me? I can't remember. Uh, Katie Sackhoff was actually talking about the preview. No. Actually, well, actually in this episode. (laughs) Um, She was talking about how she was actually really glad she didn't have to fly in this one. Because that... The flight suit was like kind of made like some rubber material, and you have to sit in this mm-hmm. cranked, co- cramped cockpit. And she's like, she was saying how really sweaty it was, and all this stuff. So um, yeah, it definitely probably was really hot. I think they look cool, but yeah, yeah they probably aren't very. They at least in real life, they're not very functional. So she was like, I hope they come up with reasons for me to break my knee every episode so I never have to do that again, <laughs> she said. <laughs> um, I always think about their helmets because they're not actually flying these planes, so they, mm-hmm. but they're acting in these helmets. Yeah. And how foggy. How do they keep them from being foggy? <laughs> and how comfortable or uncomfortable are those helmets? And then I remembered when I saw the Battlestar panel at Dragon Con, Katie talked about how she took her helmet on the last day. Mm-hmm. That she still has it, and she doesn't know if she's allowed to have it or not, but it's hers and she took it. I mean, good for her. <laughs> but then every time I see her put it on on the show, I'm like, that's the thing you wanted? Because that doesn't seem comfortable. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure she doesn't walk around the house <laughs> wearing it. You don't know. We don't know her life. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I do not know. She just got married uh, a couple of years ago and had a kid, so maybe... Mm-hmm. maybe yeah, she... I follow her on Instagram. Yeah. So it's actually funny you say that. Uh, you're talking about she took that, because like, in this episode, I was looking at all the models that they use for... <laughs> For the situation yeah. room, and I was like, I was like, oh, I wish I actually kind of had those. So I need to like hunt hunt them down and see if they have <laughs> have they sell those or something. I always felt that way about the ones they use in Game of Thrones. I don't know like, what that. I've never heard of that show. Oh my god! Shut up. I watched this one show in an alternate reality where Sansa was the queen of <laughs> Westeros. That's my show. Don't know what it was that- called though. Is how it ended. Queen Not of, really. She was the queen of the north. Yeah. I, my my show, she was queen of Westeros. It was great. Anyway, this is not the Game of Thrones podcast. There are enough of those out there who can complain about that show. A show I still love despite it all. We got a new TV, and the first thing I put on was when the first time Daenerys, like, lets Drogon just destroy the Lannister army. I was mm-hmm. like, I know exactly what I want to watch on this new TV. I need to see this dragon open fire. And it was great. 
even though that season's not great. Well, more power to you. I was just talking to someone the other day. But I don't get how people even bother watching that Dragon House of Dragon show if they were so upset with ending of Game of Thrones. But everybody's got their own vibe. So I was upset with the ending of Game of Thrones, but I still love the world that was created. And I watched House of the Dragon. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I no great. So giving it a little too much credit it's good it could be better and for a show that promised me dragons there weren't nearly enough dragons but otherwise like the acting was phenomenal yeah well speaking of battlestar galactica (laughs) 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 oh man um so the today's episode is i think i said at the top it's uh the hand of god and it actually takes um it's the title of the very last episode of the original Battlestar Galactica. They share basically the title and there's some structural story things happening that are kind of similar, but for the most part, they're two separate things. Um, In my research for this podcast, I did a lot of reading um, about the hand of God, and I kept I kept coming across, and this came this happened in the um, uh, act of contrition episode, or the not the act of contrition, but the uh, you can't go home again mostly episode, and uh, seen in a few other places where people are going out of their way to say that the writers of the episode have never watched the original. And I'm not calling those people liars, because <laughs> I don't think that's what's happening. But there are so many, and on a practical level, even if a person like is writing the episode uh, has never watched the show, you're still in an environment where other people <laughs> have watched the show. And you're batting ideas around with those people that have watched the show, especially the showrunner, who at length talks about the themes of the original. And even in this episode, he talks about how the mysticism is very important to Battlestar Galactica. And so they're trying to that this is the episode where they're they're starting to try to to roll that in to the whole thing. Um, you know, when it comes to like the naming of things, it's like you you have to have watched the show, <laughs> right? Like it's, someone did, yeah, someone watched the show. <laughs> so it's like it's it's been odd and interesting to be that people are kind of going out of their way to say that, and that, you know, again, they could have they could have been at some kind of convention or read something where um, the writers said that they didn't watch, they didn't know that episode. Um, I think you showed me something where Rod Moore said that about the writers and he wasn't aware that they didn't know. So it could be a coincidence. My whole thing is that these coincidences keep happening (laughs) over and over again. I I just want to I want to get away from this idea that like the the show's being written in some kind of vacuum. Uh, From a certain standpoint, I like I, I don't want to sort of like say that like take take away from the craft and the art that the writers for the show did because i think that's 
little i think that's partly what's motivating some of it to that are making people say that they like make it a point that they didn't uh watch the original because i but i think it it definitely has a lot of homages to the original and it's in a lot of ways it's faithful to the core concepts um some of the relationships it goes off in its own direction um, and it's not to say that there's not like a great amount of care and um, art that is going on in the writing of the new one. Um, I mean, I love, obviously, I think the the remake is to me is the best show that I've ever seen. Um, but I still love the original. I just don't I in my brain, I can't see how you would say that these people have no concept <laughs> of some of the things that are going on in both episodes. I mean, this is called The Hand of God. I don't know how many other... There's not... I don't think that there's an episode of This Is Us called The Hand of God. So there's, you know... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there might... I would know. (laughs) But... So, anyways. That's a mini rant that I had. How are these episodes similar? Like, what are the similarities of the original Hand of God in this one? So it, it's in the original, um, it's framed by them, uh, let's say Apollo, Starbuck, uh, Cassiopeia, and Sheba. They are kind of going on this couple's date, double date, and they find this, this uh, it's like the, t- the tallest point, the highest point on the Battlestar Galactica, and it's like this observation deck. And um, there's a they're sitting there or whatever. And Shiva notices that there's a signal on this machine and they can't quite see what the signal is. And this is actually where they get the, uh, the title of the episode because, uh, Apollo they're they, they're kind of worried that cause like the, it's like a glass observation deck and they're kind of worried that, you know, the, the, the air will fall out of it or something. And, uh, they, you know, Starbuck is like, well, it's made out of whatever kind of glass, so we're we're fine. And then Apollo says, oh, it's kind of like flying in a cockpit. It's like you're in the hand of God. So that's where the title comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and this in the original, um, which is completely different from the remake. Um, but anyway, so they don't know where the signal's coming from. So then they take it to Adama and they kind of... Oh, so uh, uh, they take it to Adama, and then I think they they do some recon, and then they find a base star that's in the shadow of some moon. So they come up the, come up with this whole plan to uh, find the base star and destroy their navigation or something so that they can't fight back. Um, there is a Cylon Raider that the Battlestar Galactica has that um, Baltar used to escape the Cylons in an earlier episode. So Apollo and Starbuck are going to fly the Raider to the base star and destroy the relay or whatever. Meanwhile, um, and this is kind of like tied into the remake... Adama basically they're 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 coming up with like ideas of what to do and Adama basically is like I'm tired of running let's let's like let's take it to them for a change you know uses some of the same terminology 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, uh, like not, it's like, uh, the school, schoolyard bully kind of, uh, thing that, uh, Adama brings up in this one, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Anyway, so it's like an all out attack on this base star while Apollo and Starbuck are flying into the, into the base star to destroy the relay. Anyway, they go do it. Um, they have this transponder that is supposed to alert them, uh, to alert the, the Vipers that it's them and not one of the other Cylons. They destroy the uh, relay. Obviously, they drop the <laughs> they drop the transponders. They have to get back into the Cylon Raider and go back. The mission is a success. They destroy the, the base star. Um, and then the ship is coming back to the to the Galactica, the Cylon Raider, and Boomer uh they they're about to fire on it and then Boomer says, No, wait, it's waggling its wings. And that was the signal in case anything happened that that was them and not a Cylon. And then they land. And that was it. The general structure is there um, for this episode. And I really don't think that they <clears throat> I really don't think that they took this to like kind of retell that episode. They're, okay, so they're both called Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and they're both called the Hand of God. Mm-hmm. They both involve the Galactica, the Galactica has been on the run. And Odama and both of them was like, let's finally, let's fight back with everything we've got. I just don't see how... It's not like the writers went in completely blind, is what I'm saying. Like, they, they, they might have never watched the episode, but if you're in a writer's room, again, like, other people might have been in the, might have seen the episode, been fans, whatever. Ron Moore talks about some of that in this episode. There's lots of homages that happen. So it's not like they're, it's not like it's completely divorced one from the other. Is all I'm saying. Right. But I keep coming across that when I'm reading stuff. <laughs> it's like, oh no, they never saw this before. I'm like, I kind of like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But it's like the, I think it's just the point that they put it in there. It's like, I feel like they're trying to make some kind of point, I think. And I don't know that there's a point to be made. So. Yeah, I don't know what they gained from saying they, I don't know, like having ignorance to the original series like just say like yeah i'd never seen it but we got a lot of input from people in the writer's room who had Mm -hmm. like it doesn't make you any worse a writer yeah it's what i feel like kind of what's going on and i don't it's like it's 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 a, that's always been a weird thing for me. Like years ago, I I recognized or realized it's like if I wrote a story and it was like um, Game of Thrones, I would be called a hack. But if I wrote a story and it was like the War of the Roses, then people would be like, "Oh, th- th- this is this is brilliant." <laughs> you see you see what I did there. Um, it's like I you can do like you can do multiple versions of uh, Tarzan or Sherlock Holmes, Robin Hood, and it's like oh, let's go you watch can be this. Inspired by 
Uh, you could literally do like I'm like I, I mean literally take Sherlock Holmes. It's like Sherlock Holmes has been done over and over and over again, right? And then, um, but it's like oh, new Sherlock Holmes movie, <laughs> and it's like oh yay! But if I did uh, if I did Jack Reacher <laughs> myself, I well you're a hack, you know. And it's like it's it's weird to me because it's like. You're, I mean, we're all getting influenced by other things. There's, somehow when it's in public domain, all of a sudden it's prestigious or something. You do, um, you do Pride and Prejudice in modern times and then, or Emma in modern times. And all of a sudden it's something to be celebrated. Um, well, Clueless is a very good movie. Yeah, exactly. I love Clueless, but that's what I'm saying. It's like you get you get celebrated if it's based on something that was like a long time ago. But the still the the fact of the matter is you're still getting inspired by something else to write the thing that you're doing. And I don't know that there's a there's like a it doesn't mean that you're any less or better of a writer. It's just like your job is to entertain somebody in the present right yeah yeah so yeah i just like i don't know it's just like i just kept seeing it and it was bothering me and then i watched i started watching some of the old episodes and i just like i'm starting to like pull my hair out because i'm like oh i should like oh they this ship is here and they use one of the ships is the one of the ships in this episode that's featured in this episode was one of the shots from uh the original and you know, names of ships. The Rising Star was in the original. I was like, I was picking up on so many things. And I'm like, could you please stop telling me that <laughs> this has nothing to do with the old show? So the decoy ship in this episode is that used in the episode that the corresponding episode? Or is it just a ship that's in it's the just, original series? It's just one of the ships that's, that was in the original series. It was always kind of featured as part of the fleet. Um, when they when they first show all the ships flying out from Caprica in the original, that's one of the. It's like a really like it's a close shot. I think it was uh, called Celestial Movers or something. Um, it's like a kind of like a freighter um, ship. Yeah. Yeah, and you know back in the day, especially they would reuse a lot of the shots. So it was kind of like every time they would show the fleet moving, they would like show it so somebody somewhere has seen the original show (laughs) (laughs) and his name is ron moore yeah yeah so i don't know i just wanted to i just it's it started it just was bothering me a little bit because like you would you wouldn't be a professional if you came into this not knowing anything about the original i was like like I, I think I was telling you earlier, it's like if I got hired to write on um, a Dawson's Creek remake, I've been, I've never watched Dawson's Creek um, and say that episode that I wrote like did really well, and someone asked me like, "Did you ever watch?" I might say no, but I'm in a writer's room with other writers and the showrunner who have seen it, and they're trying to emulate certain aspects of the original. And I don't just like a writer doesn't on a TV show doesn't doesn't write in a vacuum. They don't just come up with something and go away and write and come back. It's like you talk about it, do out turn in outlines. The showrunner like gives you notes, you know. Mm-hmm. Studio gives you notes. So yeah, that, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is driving well, me nuts. 
either they, I don't know. I'm not going to call them liars. I don't know David Weddle and the other guy. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not that. I don't think that, I don't think anybody is lied. I just kind of feel like you just kind of, like, sometimes you just kind of, like, say things or you misremember things or, like, you lit- yeah. like literally did not know. They literally did not watch the episode. And it's not even so much that the, them not watching the episode isn't my problem. It's, like, when I'm reading the write-ups and they're all bothering to say that they didn't, then I feel like the person writing that write-up is making some kind of statement or something. They're including that information for some kind of purpose. That's kind of what my takeaway is. And I don't know what that purpose is. Maybe they have a plan. <laughs> Maybe they do. <laughs> I hear that's popular with Cylons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. Thank you for <laughs> our well, listening to our podcast. <laughs> and now we can start discussing this episode. Yes, we can. All right, so this episode, we open up uh, on Colonial One right in the middle of a press conference, um, and it's a discussion about uh, fuel reserves going down. Um, so apparently, uh, the ships on the fleet run on Tilium, Tilium, which is something that is discussed in the original Battlestar Galactica. Um, (laughs) um, and, uh, I think they only have 5% reserves left. So the press corps is asking Rosalind, you know, like, what are we going to do? How are we going to get away? And she, in the middle of all this conversation, she starts to have these visions um, or I, I'm not even going to say visions quite. She starts seeing things. So she sees these snakes, which is pretty disruptive, right? Um, and they're all over her podium. Um, and she kind of flashes away and she's kind of spaced out. And the press corps can tell something's going on. And then eventually she dips out and Billy comes, gets her, and they go back to back room whatever they call that her office i guess is right behind the press the press room mm-hmm. something i kind of i actually kind of thought about with all of that because it seemed like the fuel thing came up pretty fast which is fine like tv but i started like in a practical sense i started thinking about why or how they would have dwindled their fuel sources and one of the um, questions someone asked was, like, how much fuel do we have left? And she's, she was like, we might have enough for, like, two more jumps. Yeah. And, and then I started thinking back to 33. And yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, maybe that's, where, <laughs> maybe that's where they used all of their fuel, you know. And they haven't really shown them jumping since then. I think maybe once or something, so. So. They've jumped a few times out of necessity because the Cylons showed up. Yeah. But 33 was... How how many hours was that? It was like... A uh, hundred and something hours. 150 something hours that they hadn't slept. 
Yeah, and they were jumping every 33 minutes. So I don't know how – they say how many jumps that was in the original. We, I, we talked about it, but I don't remember. But Yeah, yeah I don't remember. Yeah, so that – I'm thinking – anyways, I think that that's probably <laughs> where, you know, it's like how, how they could have, like, gotten that low of fuel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and they, they are also asked, like, you know, are there any contingency plans if – we don't uh, get any fuel, and um, I think one of them was that they'll jump to the nearest planetary system, and I guess try to find a random planet there. It was like you know, it was very vague, um, kind of like the plot of the original Battlestar Galactica. Actually, the overall plot of the original Battlestar Galactica. Um, I actually on the DVD. I don't know. Have you watched the DVD or in the the Blu-ray yet? No, I just ordered it today, so it won't be here until, like, Wednesday. Okay. They have uh, deleted scenes, and a deleted scene from that episode was Billy and Rosalind right after that moment discussing, um, she, she tells Billy, oh, I'm having, I'm seeing things, and tells him it was, like, it was snakes. <laughs> hmm. And... She uh, he also says, "Well, that's isn't that like something? That, isn't that a side effect of the Kamala extract?" So basically, it was like a big exposition um, sequence that was happening. Um, I can kind of see I see why they cut it out because we have this same conversation a little bit later with Alosha and Rosalind. Yeah. So uh, we jump to <laughs> our favorite uh, crash down and Sharon. And they're in, <laughs> they're in a raptor flying through asteroid field, and they're one of the um, crew that's actually looking for fuel for the Tilium. They're having a nice little conversation. Uh, Sharon's teasing; <laughs> she's yeah. teasing Crashdown. <laughs> there's some apparently there's some ensign that has the hots for him. <laughs> yeah, have yeah. you noticed how she always sits next to you in the mess? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's so cute. How's it going, Crash? <laughs> <laughs> Teehee. <laughs> and Crashdown, to his credit, is just ignoring her. Yeah. And talking about what he's seeing or not seeing on the Dratus. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and like in some 70s uh, movie, he can't get some reading so he hits the console and he, then he he fonzied it yeah yeah right <laughs> and he lo and behold he discovers tilium and uh sharon like the cylon she is claims the victory for herself Look, she did not. She said, we're heroes. And uh, yeah. he got all up in his feelings about it and yeah, was he's, like, we. He's right, though. This is the second time I find something and you take the credit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they they go in for a closer look. And while they are looking, they see a, a patrol of Cylon Raiders flying over um, a base that is on the surface of the asteroid where the Tilium is. Yes. I recall seeing something similar in an episode called The Hand of God on the original Battlestar Galactica. 
Uh, sure. <laughs> say so. No one else has watched that. <laughs> oh, so anyway. Your word for it. Yeah, I guess so. So they they uh, the two of them bug out, and um, we get a really cool shot of the the raiders um, flying away. Um, I have a question for you. Do you okay. th- do you think Sharon knew that it was there? I had this question too because I was thinking about how she was there when they found water. I know that she's probably their most experienced or best raptor pilot Mm -hmm. but she also is one of the most successful raptor pilots every time they send her to do something she comes back with something great or i don't know saved a bunch of people on caprica or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah you're right yeah but i do yes i do think there was something whether she knew about it or not i don't think that they wanted her to find the Tilium refinery mm-hmm. and destroy it mm-hmm. or at least destroy the Cylon base of it. But I think that there's got to be something deep down in that programming sort of guiding her places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's some- my, my theory. Yeah. It was something I'd never really thought about before. I was just kind of watched it at a face value and it's like, huh, this is the second time that's happened with her. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, there's no reason. Could just be coincidence. Maybe, maybe it's not her. Maybe it's Crashdown. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is. I actually was, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll meet her in a few episodes, but, uh, I, I have a weird crush on Racetrack, and she kind of, like, she actually kind of filled that same space. Like, she, yep, she was, like, always kind of like in the right place or surviving <laughs> like Rex and all that kind of stuff. So, um, did you still know. have a crush on racetrack when she became a mutineer? I was actually heartbroken to be honest. <laughs> I was I'm like, everyone was like upset about Gata and I was like, well, but why would racetrack do that? <laughs> she just really hates the Cylons. She would never, she got a little redemption, though. Did a she? Bit. A little bit. A little bit. Well, maybe Without... I haven't gotten to that with the last three episodes of the series to watch. Oh, you're already so far... there. Yeah she, yeah, she, she, let's just say things would not have worked out without Racetrack okay. invo- involved. Let's just say that. So then we jump back to the Galactica. We're in the CIC. Um, Adama, Ty, Gaeta, and Apollo are breaking down the situation. Gaeta says, like, he looks at the thing and he's like, it uh, looks like they're staking out every water hole in the desert, the Cylons. Um, mm-hmm. And Ty responds, uh, only this time it's like a lake. <laughs> and, um, but it's enough water to last us a couple of years. Yeah, I really love this scene because Gaeta seems like there's I don't I don't know how this could even work and Ty is like there's we're fucked with this. Like we can't go in there and then every time Apollo's like, Okay, but what about this? Ty's like, Yeah, but then this would happen and finally Adama's just like, No, we're just gonna go and take it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, I, I I recall there's this episode called um, on the original show. It's called The Hand of God. <laughs> You're just making things up. And there's a similar sequence. <laughs> uh, it's weird. Nadama and Lauren Green's voice is like, we, we must we'll take it to him. I don't remember what he says. Um, our Adama. Catch them with their pants down. Yeah. <laughs> our Adama says, we take the Tilium from the Cylons. <laughs> Everyone, like, is so stunned when they look at him. Like, yeah. did you just say what you just said? Um, you know, there's, like, it's hardly the time to attack a superior force. And Adama's like, this is exactly the time. Like, he says, we know where they are. They don't know where we are. Yeah. Lauren Green said the same thing. We catch them with their pants down. Um and then um, I can't remember who who asked uh, if we fail. Uh, I think Ty is the one that says uh, end game. And then um, Adama says, so we don't fail. So, yeah. well, this is like, whew, they they set those stakes high from the start of this. Mm-hmm. So you're already compelled and in it. Um, then we cut to the the pilot's room, and um, Starbuck is teaching the Nuggets. I don't know if we still – they're not Nuggets anymore, I don't think. I don't know what we call them. Uh, she I guess calls them baby pilots. Colts. Oh, that's what she calls them? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or newborn yeah. Colts. She says they're wobbly as newborn Colts, but they're getting stronger. Okay. So we see Cat. We love Cat. <laughs> <laughs> We My see favorite. hot, we see hot dog. We 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 do love you know we I, we love hot dog in the same way we we love crash down, and uh, we see chuckles and um, we see a few more pilots who I think are all going to be doomed. <laughs> yes, and one of them is named and I in my notes I wrote her name down with a so, question mark next to it because I've never heard this name. Is it stepchild? Stepchild. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. I see her in this episode, I'm like, who's that? Oh, never mind. Well, she's dead. And then I found out her name later. Yeah. Yeah, I, I came across that, too. I'd never heard of that before. That's, I, I actually, I, would, I wouldn't this mind. another beehive situation. <laughs> yeah. Like, I wouldn't mind a spinoff show <laughs> just to get how she got her call sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's another one in this episode. Um, he ends up dying, too. Uh, hold on. I'm going to look really quick. Yeah. His name is Fireball. Fireball. That's a whoo. I don't know that I want that one, that name. Yeah. So I like that at least we can find out, like, in the transcripts and whatever, that these pilots were given their nicknames or call signs and whatever but mm-hmm. I, yeah i do wish that we had like like a novelization mm-hmm. of how they what they had to do to be given those names yeah was it a sort of hey let's put this up for a vote in the mess hall like Hilo did with athena or mm-hmm. was it because they did something stupid and they were given their call sign yeah, because, like, Cat is just, like, her name, right? Yeah, it's, like, a short, and her last name is Katrain. Yeah, but then other, you know, but then Apollo, like. Right. Yeah. How does Starbuck, um, what does Starbuck, what does that even mean, I mean actually? It, 
It's from Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Ah, it's almost like I was an English major. (laughs) Uh, My friend who was in the Navy, I loved learning the call signs of the pilots that she worked with. And there was one who, I don't want to say it in case anybody listens because it was a real call sign. Mm -hmm. But they called her something that they actually took from an episode of Friends. (laughs) <laughs> and apparently in the urban dictionary that phrase meant something else and they didn't know that when they started calling her that they started calling her that because she was so nice and it was such an opposite of like who she was as a person mm-hmm. and so the whoever like their commanding officer was like change the name because it was painted on the side of a plane oh wow <laughs> even though they're like that isn't what we're referring to and the commanding officer was like i don't care change the name now i'm gonna go like, look up like the Ma- the maccabees what it, or is, is it a lobster <laughs> is it an artwork i'm like i'm gonna no, look this up now i'll tell you it's so obscure yeah. it's not okay. like something that's known from friends it's not naked, a, naked guy en- <laughs> <laughs> it's not an enduring <laughs> thing that anybody would it was just like one line in an episode. Piva? No, is I'll it, tell you later. Is it <laughs> the routine? I'm like, come on. Consuela banana hammock. <laughs> Crap bag. Uh, smelly cat? Was it, oh, the smelly cat. No. Okay, anyways, let's get back to Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Uh, this is a very serious episode. Uh, Adama <laughs> enters and he asks uh, Starbuck to have a private word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, she let uh, she <laughs> my my brain's like thinking about something else real quick. I was just thinking the other day because <laughs> I was watching something else and I was like, you know what? You got skills when you can walk into a room and be like, give us the broom. <laughs> They do that on all TV, and I just think like nobody does that in real life, and it's amazing when they do it on. Oh, they do it on TV. I've done it. Oh, you do? Oh, well, see, then you're a baller, and I'm not. <laughs> well, because I'm the boss at my work, and if I have to have a conversation with somebody that I don't want anybody witness to, mm-hmm. I'll be like, "I'm going to need you to leave the room, please. Thank you," and I make I make them go away. Yeah, I'm not the boss of anyone, so maybe that's maybe that's why I'm jealous of you. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, she, you know, she has them take two or whatever. Um, so he tells her he has a job for her, and right off the bat, she's like, uh, "Yeah, I heard the rumor, the rumor mill that you're planning an op." And I was like, "They like the rumors on Galactica just seem to be flowing," <laughs> you know. Um, it's a big ship, but it's not an infinitely big ship. Yeah, yeah. I just was thinking about like she like would, when would she have had time to like get this information, you know? Because um, it seems like it was relatively short time. But they just they just talking. It's a little known fact, but Gata's a gossip. <laughs> I mean, it's just a little more of my head cannon. That's yeah. I mean, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, so anyways, uh, uh, Adama, you know, says, yeah, we have a mission. Um, 
there uh, we're coming up with a Ty and Apollo are coming up with a plan, but he needs some serious out of the box thinking. And you know, Starbuck out of the box is where I live. You know. Yep. So she's on board. We jump back to Colonial One. And Rosalind is chatting with the beautiful, ever lovely, always amazing Alosha. I love every time she shows up. I love that she's on the show. Um, she's still alive. No, yeah, I looked it up and she's passed. She's passed a long time ago, too, like almost 20 years ago, I think. Oh, um, wow. I think it was from cancer or something. I can't remember. So not long after she dies on the show i'm guessing yeah. maybe that's why they wrote her out when i when i did look it up it did seem like it was well after the show was off oh. <laughs> i can't remember what year it, 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 i mean it was but it was it was only within like two or three years of when the the final episode would have been on and she, she's gone well before that so i don't but i, I don't i could be wrong i'm just making stuff up well i know they um, kill her they kill her off pretty early into season two yeah um so, if she were sick, or you know, recently found out that she was sick, that mm-hmm. would explain it. Yeah, or true. it could have been done because of story reasons too, because yeah. it made perfect sense in the story. Well, Ron, I, you know, listening to the podcast over the years when I was watching the show, like Ron, Ron Moore was not shy about calling actors and actresses and telling them that they were no longer going to be on the show. <laughs> I mean, he, he talks about having that conversation with uh, with uh, Ellen, actress. I think, oh, really? Yeah, I think Cat. Yeah. Um, he had a he had a talk with Katie, but obviously there was a little bit more to it than on the surface. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he could. I mean, it's possible. That's why she was written out. But um, anyways, I love it whenever she's there. She just she lends like this sort of like weight to things that uh i just like to see so almost like whenever dr strange shows up (laughs) in group scenes i'm always like yeah listen to that guy he knows what he's talking about yeah only in uh group scenes though oh yeah exactly i'm always like i never want to see a standalone dr strange i but i love it when he shows up in the avengers and stuff like that's his sweet spot Anyway, so Rosalind and um, Alosha are talking, and she tells Alosha about the vision she's been seeing. Um, She says it started out with Leobin, but now it's bleeding into real life. And she talks about the snakes that she's seen. And when she talks about the snakes, like, Alosha's interest immediately gets piqued. And then she asks Rosalind how many... Did you see? And Rosalind's like, oh, it was about a dozen. And, you know, immediately my, uh, you know, you watch the show and you know that there are 12 colonies. So you're I'm starting to think, oh, is there some kind of connection there? And Alosha then asks Rosalind if she knows about something called a person, I think it's called uh, named Pythia. Rosalind's like, no, which it's a little odd since she's the. She was the secretary of education. You would think she would know. Um, I don't know. They don't, at least in our country, they're not supposed to be teaching Bible stories in a public school setting. Yeah, but it's like, I mean. I know some stuff of the Bible. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. 
there's like some there's just things you know like but to be fair like i know a lot about greek mythology but like if you said like oh do you know the story of this i and i might be like oh never heard of it you know so so anyways uh she said rosalind says no um, and then she asks, who's Pythia? And uh, Elisha says the Pythia is one of the, she was one of the leaders of the oracles of the sacred scrolls. 3,600 years ago, Pythia gave a prophecy about an exile and rebirth of the human race. And the lords, I'm assuming lords of Cobol, anointed a leader to lead a caravan through the heavens to their new homeland. Uh, and then Alosha says, and unto the leader, they gave a vision and it was, it was, uh, of serpents numbering. <laughs> she's so dramatic when she says it, like, like that's, she's like, uh, of 10 and two, I think she says, or no, two and 10. Two and 10. Uh, yeah. Two, uh, serpents of two and 10 and that, that will be a sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that, that leader was suffering a disease and yeah, would well, not live to enter the new land. But you're not waste, dying. Yeah. Right? A wasting disease. Ah, which yes. is, the way they cut that, I was like, did she tell did she tell Alosha right after that? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know either. She's got yeah. to explain why she's taking Kamala extract though, doesn't she? Yeah, I guess I guess she does. <laughs> um, okay, I've been doing these drugs. Yeah, right. They're making been, me hallucinate in awake time. Been doing shrooms with this crazy Uncle Burnout <laughs> Cylon named Leoven. I was trying not to try the ayahuasca, but I have tried the ayahuasca. And now I'm not only throwing up, but having visions of snakes. <laughs> yeah, the snake imagery is pretty, pretty, you know, it's, a, it's with like Southern um, Christian religion or christianity there's in those uh kind of like revival type setups they would like have sometimes have people hold serpents to show that oh, yeah. they're you know or have you or seen like the Greek... justified oh yeah yeah that's right yeah 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 that whole subplot with or mm-hmm. that whole season where they were trying to figure out what uh what's his name was supposed to be doing boyd <laughs> yeah boyd yeah yeah the the preacher at that little uh, traveling church yeah. played by the kid from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. I didn't know. That. I didn't realize that. Huh. Yeah. And the actress that played his sister mm-hmm. worked, or we represented her at the agency I worked for. Oh, cool. Yeah. Ariana something, right? No, Lindsay. Lindsay something. Hmm. So we jump back into the situation room, and uh, this is where they have all the little props that I really wish I could track down and get. They're discussing the battle plans, and they're trying to figure out like how they can take this asteroid. Lee gives his plan, um, and you could tell Starbucks very skeptical. Um, you know, as <laughs> as. It is as Apollo is, right? It seems very textbook. He seems very stiff while he's talking about it. Um, and she, yeah, she's the Starbucks says it's textbook, and that's why it won't work. Um, and Ty, <laughs> Ty My makes favorite, 
My favorite tagline in the whole show. Yeah, go ahead and say it. <laughs> of course, we bow to your vast experience in strategic planning. Refresh my memory. What year was it that you graduated from War College? Yeah. And then she says, what's the matter, Colonel? Married life, not all you expected. Yeah. I, in my notes, I wrote, damn. <laughs> <laughs> she was... winks at him and he just yeah. like, gives her a look. Yeah. And then Tom was like, shut that down. You could, I love that. It's like, it's good character <laughs> stuff. It's like, they immediately start bickering. Mm-hmm. You really understand their dynamic and relationship but it's not like they don't spend any time on it either so you just know that just kind of how they are and they just move past it really quickly so you actually see how they were have they been able to work on this ship for so long Um, well she's not normally in these strategy sessions with them so you know ty doesn't have to take her seriously very often Mm -hmm. which works against her in a lot of ways and works for her in other ways because she could just get not get away with doing what she wants, but it's just expected. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, Starbucks just gonna buck the rules, do what she wants. But here she gets to like come up with something that seems a little crazy. Yeah, and Adama, he's like, he's pretty adamant. He's like, this is well, we brought her here for this reason. Like, we mm-hmm. want something that's outside of the books. <laughs> he, he's all, with all due respect, gentlemen, we aren't as crazy as she is. <laughs> yep. It's uh, a good line. There's a lot of good Adama lines in this one. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he has one of my favorite lines, which um, you're going to be hearing a little bit later. So then Starbucks starts to give her plan, and then we kind of phase into um few maybe like a few hours later and now uh rosalind is present um they've got these two cool officers standing on either side of the board with these like poker sticks and they start moving pieces on this big board to kind of to represent um the tactics for this episode so um they're basically going to um they're going to drop three civilian freighter ships near the base as a decoy and they're expecting the Cylon Raiders to go out to it then the Galactica is going to be jumping sort of behind the base outside of their wire range and then send another fleet of uh, Vipers to capture the base it seems fairly crafty right yeah Rosalind doesn't love the idea of using this freighter this civilian ship or ships as decoys Mm -hmm. and she's concerned about the losses that they might anticipate yeah so basically like it's not a bad plan you have a decoy they're all going to go after the decoy then the vipers are going to come out and some of them are going to go after the vipers but i guess at this point all we know is the plan seems to be for the Vipers to surprise the Raiders and take them out. But yeah. and they then, also know they're going to be completely overrun by, by Raiders. Yeah, and then they, the decoys will have their, like Apollo says, the decoys will have their FTLs spooled up so that they can mm-hmm. jump away right away. Um, and the civilians that are on those ships will be moved to other ships uh that's one of the things rosalind's concerned about because you know the ships are already crowded she says um but you know um 
she yeah she asks how many casualties and Ty is very frank and he says it'll cost us. I I really love that because this is war and they said they don't have that. they know that it's there are going to be losses, um, but that's that's what you do when you're fighting a war. Earlier in the season, he said we don't like to make guesses. Mm, yeah. So I, I like that he didn't. Yeah. I'm not going to give you a number. Mm-hmm. But it will cost us. Yeah. Oh, she also, you know, she's like, uh, like, so if we're successful with this, we'll keep the Cylons from coming back. Um, Dama doesn't really say anything uh, right away. Um, but then he jumps in he's like, uh, you know, he has a schoolyard metaphor. So basically if you punch the bully, it will make them stop and think twice next time. So basically just, it'll at least give them time, um, to get the, uh, Tilium and then at least get out of there. Um, so they don't think that, uh, base stars will like just jump other base stars will jump in right away and everything goes to hell. I have a question. Um, Yeah. I never had bullies. Not that I wasn't necessarily picked on. Um, I was a pretty awkward kid, but I was never bullied. Uh, Is this true? Because every, like, TV always tells us that this is the way it is. That, you know, if you fight back to a bully, eventually they will stop picking on you. Yes, I think it is true. <laughs> yeah, I, I had, I've not had like, I've not had bull, like a lot of bullies, but I, I, I do remember I was like in summer camp one year, and like for whatever reason, this guy just like he just wanted to pick on me, like I don't know why, you know, and like it wasn't until I mean it happened it happened to me twice. It wasn't until like I stood up to them both times, and then after that, it was over, like. Mm-hmm. It just was over. And I know so... that bullies look for weakness. Like that seems to be that's their target mm-hmm. is weakness. So yeah, I guess that it makes sense. I've just never experienced it myself. I mean, I think it's instinctive. There's like this, you know. There's like we we all can kind of sense power differentials, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and those kind of people are are like they they kind of need. They need to pick on other people to feel better, you know, um, and so they'll just pick on the weak ones, and and if those weaker ones, the ones that they perceive as weaker, stand up to them, they'll just move on. Maybe find someone and someone else to pick on, and but they'll leave you alone. And then, I mean, I'm not going to say that that's like always the case, because <laughs> there are people that are consistently bullied that do fight back, but in a general sense. That's, I think it's um, a a human trueness to it, you know? Okay. Rosalind um, asks, it's, or she's kind of like, yeah, so if if this doesn't work, you know, we either have to run, um, be out of fuel, out of fuel, or be annihilated. And then Adama replies, sometimes you got to roll a hard six. You've been waiting to say that? Like that's one of this is his greatest Adama isms. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta roll a hard six. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my friends used to like, you know, sometimes we're talking and you just start you'll just say that. I don't quite know what it means. It's just like is it poker or something? I think it's something that's made up for the show. 
Yeah, just kind of like uh, just like uh, our end uh, tale thing. We say like, "What's what do you hear out there? Nothing but the rain." Right. Like that's kind of made up. So mm-hmm. don't know what it actually means, and that's what makes it cool, right? Um, so Rosalind gives them the go ahead, and they have forty eight hours till the mission. Then we jump to uh, another room. I don't know if we're back in the situation room, but then it's a uh, Baltar, Starbuck, and Ty, and they're examining uh, the uh, photograph of the Cylon base. Um, and they've come to Baltar because he's the Cylon expert <laughs> now. The dilemma is that they need to destroy the facility without harming the ore. Um, so they can't just use nukes. Um, Baltar tells us that, yes, the the f- nuclear fallout will render the tilium inert. So it's like, what's the point? So if they hit it with a conventional warhead, it should... Uh, the refined tilium is so combustible that it should create a big enough explosion to destroy the refinery while leaving the rela- the remaining tilium to mine. Um, and this is where we get into the mystical part of the show. So they need to hit it in the right spot. And is that the hand of God? I don't know. <laughs> They're like, what is that right spot? <laughs> and he's like, He's kind of like, at least to himself, he's like, I don't know. And then we have the appearance of our favorite, friendly Cylon slash angel (laughs) head six. Hallucination. (laughs) Yeah. Hallucination. Chip in his brain. Yeah. He needs her advice. Yeah. And so... They, you know, it's out, it's out to that location. We've seen it before in Vancouver. And I don't know if you, like, you're watching, I don't know if you were taken in by that shot. Every time they have that location, I'm always just, like, breathtakingly blown away. And again, like, as when you watch it, it's, it's as beautiful in person as it is as it looks on um, TV. Like, it's a really gorgeous area. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is doing, um, she's like, she's actually massaging him, <laughs> like chiro- chiropractic slash, uh, massaging, uh, Baltar. Um, and yeah, through, they're having a discussion about it. She won't give him an answer of where it is. Well, she says she doesn't know the first thing about Tillium refineries. I don't think that that's true. I think that she's leading him somewhere. What do you think? I think, I think both. Like, she probably doesn't know anything about Tillium refineries. Mm-hmm. If she's a, some sort of leftover something or other from the six he knew, she wouldn't know about that stuff. Or if she's some kind of angel thing in his head, she's really... I don't know. I don't know what she would, why she wouldn't just tell him unless she's trying... He says it, like... He doesn't say you're not going to tell me because she's like, God knows. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, he's not going to tell me because he's a Cylon God. Mm-hmm. And so, then she says that there's God doesn't take sides, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting to me. But this just sort of goes along with the things that she's done in the past where she's like, open yourself up to God and you'll be shown the way. Cause, mm-hmm. And she, in those cases, didn't give him direct answers either. Mm-hmm. 
open your heart to him and he'll show you where to um, hit the refinery. And then she tells him to relax. And he's like, why? <laughs> and she says, do it. And then he does. And then she cracks his neck. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he pops back, uh, pops back into the situation room. And then he, they're like kind of waiting for him to give an answer. And he just starts looking at the picture. And then he just points out a spot. And he says, mm-hmm. there, there you go. We jump, uh, then we, we cut away from there, and then we go back out into the hallway. Balter's walking. Um, Head Six kind of slides in behind him and congratulates him. Um, Balter's like, uh, yeah, God didn't speak to me. Uh, so, And he was, I was totally lying, basically, is what he said about that. So kind of like they have this whole mission hinging on his word. <laughs> and he's just kind of like, yeah, this is what you got to do. Um but then, you know, Head Six says, well, God God doesn't always speak in words. You know, Baltar's like, well, I guess the fate of the human race is, depends on his wild guess. Yeah. So we'll see how that turns out. I don't I don't know if it turns out good. We'll see. <laughs> this is the last episode <laughs> of the series, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we cut to, I called it the Galactica Gym. I don't know what. <laughs> what is it, what what actually the name of it is but um it's, starbucks it's starbucks yeah it's a gym but uh starbucks is in there she's pushing weight she's on a leg press um she's doing one one legged leg presses and we obviously she know we know her knee is still injured from the uh episodes some a ways a little ways back now where she was uh escaped the moon so she's gearing up to fly the mission, um, Adama comes in um, and he asks her how she is and makes her stop. She says she's ready to fly. And Adama's like, no, Apollo's leading the mission. And she's like, why? I'm the best pilot. You know, and Adama says, uh, yes, you under normal circumstances you are, but you're not the best one right now. Um, and he goes into this... This whole talk about um, like how when you're a pilot, there's like a phys- there's a physical um, aspect to flying. Um, he says that you need to be able to pull six or seven G's to do some of the maneuvers, and um, just the way that her knee is, um, she just wouldn't be able to to do any of those things. I really liked this sequence for Adama because it let us know that he was a pilot once himself and he mm-hmm. really seems to know it. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about and the way that he interacts with her, I feel like he he comes across as someone that actually literally knows how to fly. If he had to fly, he could fly. We see him do it every once in a while, but it's mostly in Raptors. Yeah. But yeah, so he, um, he starts putting he tells her to stop he starts to, he starts putting weights on to the leg press while she's holding it up and he starts giving her like okay you're turning you're turning into the gun you got to go to, you got to do this you got to do that and he keeps putting more and more weight on and then eventually she just caves in the strains too much and she stops and when she's done he is like that wasn't even 6 g's that was only 3 so you know I'm sorry, it's a tough one, but you're staying home. I didn't yep. do my I didn't do my Adama voice for that one. <laughs> kind of did. I'm saving it for later. 
Yeah, I like that scene too. Because she's so... She's just Starbucks. She's like, no, I can. I can do it. I can do this. Like, uh, a couple weeks ago, I couldn't do this leg press. Now I can do this so I can get back in the plane. But he had to show her the facts. You physically can't handle it yet. I know you want to. And this leads us into our next scene where we're back in the situation room and Starbucks is going over the plan with Lee. And she's very (laughs) – she's giving him flying tips Little, it feels a little patronite, patronizing, you know. Eventually, uh, Apollo's like, you don't think I'm up to this, do you? And, she, you know, she says, oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> but the look on her face is like, nah, I don't, I don't think you're up to this. <laughs> Apollo basically just right there confronts her. He's He's just kind of making it. I think he, the point he's making is like he thinks that the whole ship thinks he's not up to task to do this, um, but it's not like he's trying to do this to prove anything to anybody. He like he basically says this is just a job. It's my job. It's not an ego trip. Yeah. And you know she responds that I hope so, and, and don't frack it up by overthinking. And then she yeah. walks off. Which, you know, I we like know. that this was a conversation and not an argument. Yeah, definitely. Like, she... he knows what kind of pilot she is. He knows that he's not the same kind of pilot. Mm-hmm. And she knows that he overthinks things. Yeah. I think we said the last episode, he, he, like, he would have been better as just starting out as, a, as an attorney. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, gone down that path. But, it, you know, and I think Ron Moore talks about this in the in the podcast for this episode where, you know, obviously Lee is Lee is a very capable pilot. Obviously, he's a you know, he's a captain. He knows what he's doing. But I think he he got there more based on like Ron Moore says, like his tenacity. Um, not that he can't fly well, but it's not as it's not like a some hidden gift that he had. Yeah, it's not as instinctual for him as it is for her. Yeah, like I think Ron Moore again, like he says in that scene, in that scene in the in the uh, in the Galactica gym, she he's actually talking about some of her backstory, which they don't really go into much in the show, but you get hints of it. But apparently, she was a very talented pyramid player and injured her knee, so it's it had been injured before, and. She, I think she got like a, some, she was like, got some kind of scholarship through the academy um, to the military. And that's how, she, that's where she discovered flying. And once she flew, she's like, knew that's what she wanted to do. So re-injuring her knee again was, it was like a recurring injury for her. Mm-hmm. But like the flying was just like, that's like who she is but whereas apollo is more buttoned down um you know the by the bookness is how he is able to be a good pilot and it's a little bit of the same dynamic as in um and the original Battlestar. like that starbuck is is basically he's the best pilot but he's also like <laughs> definitely not fit to be leading anybody because he's so off the rails and you know He's, you know, he's the maverick. So when we go down to Caprica, just really quickly, Hilo, Hilo and Boomer are on a nice little vacation to a barn. 
Um, Hilo's his, it's funny. I love like obviously love Hilo to death, but it's actually kind of funny watching some of the stuff because he's just like he doesn't he doesn't get it still, but like he there's no way that he should get it. So mm-hmm. like no harm, no foul. But it's kind of like. Like, he's like, I don't get it. I don't see, like, it's weird that we're the only ones. I haven't seen anybody since we've been here, you know? Yeah. Um, like, he's going on about it again. Um, then they climb up into a loft. And then he offers Sharon some food. And she, apparently she hates chili. She starts throwing up. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Um, I have this whole thing uh, where it's like, uh, whenever you see a woman throwing up on TV, she's pregnant. <laughs> unless either, she just come, unless she just came back from the bar. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She's either pregnant yeah. or drunk. Yeah. So, or sometimes have food poisoning. I've seen that happen on TV too. Was that on Grease? Yes, <laughs> it was. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine was just on. I think she's on this last week. She was oh. on that. She was on an episode. Oh, really? I was. Yeah, she was cool. It was cool. She was playing a therapist. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I just watched the episode yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my that's my friend. I was oh, like, that's oh. cool. She was on CSI a few weeks ago. She's nice. like, yeah, blown up. Back to Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah. The 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 um, I think um again, Ron Moore talks about this. There's one more scene on Caprica, but he he definitely talks about how you know you you've expressed this where they like those scenes are really brief and he was saying there was an element of trusting the audience to know that this would come back Mm -hmm. um because yeah like especially at this time like you know they weren't spending any substantial amount of time on it so it wasn't like really readily apparent what they were doing with this but he was just trusting that the audience would like be on board to just at least be patient to find out what it is. And obviously this is the first time we kind of really get a really strong hint about where that whole thing is going. So if anybody hasn't picked up on it and hasn't watched the show yet, Sharon throws up and it's because she's pregnant. But we don't find that out in this episode. Yeah. But we do know that they had Cylon sex mm-hmm. in the rain. It was a couple episodes ago. Yeah. 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 If you want to just talk about the second scene, because it's really quick, just so then we can focus on the rest of the battle. Not really. Yeah. Battle, the mission. Um, yeah. It's like the next morning he wakes up because he's hearing um, Centurions. He wakes up. Sharon up and they look out this like barn window and see a six in a white coat and he's like what the frack you mm-hmm. killed her and they see all of the Saturians and so she's just like come on we gotta go and he's just like wait no wait but like I watched her die she died in my lap and she's just like We'll figure it out later. That's the part where it's like you, you forget that like Hilo has not been privy to it. Like he's probably the most uh, uninformed person on the show at the moment. <laughs> he doesn't know spending the most time with a Cylon. Yeah, I, ironically, right? Yeah, he, like he 
he doesn't know like he's like cause, yeah like he was on the he was on the planet whenever like when they came back right so he doesn't know that like there's a new president he doesn't know that the fleet left mm-hmm. uh he doesn't know that they're going to earth he doesn't know cylons are humans right look like humans he doesn't know anything he doesn't know that he doesn't even know that there's multiple copies right yet. he thinks the cylons are the centurions and that's it yeah that, i mean it's like it's like it is you know, it's it's pretty wild when you think about it. Like where 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 we're at, and he doesn't know obviously that uh, his uh, future wife is um, is a robot. Anyways, that's it. They <laughs> jump down and they run away. And yeah. they, that's that's a that's a feature of all these, the the last I think last week they ran away, the week before they ran away, and uh, she's like, "Come on, Mister," and they take off. Uh, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Same Caprica time, same Caprica channel. Um, so then we um, get back to Galactica. It's the night before the op, and Apollo is sitting in front of uh, his Viper, um, moping. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if he's moping. Yeah, I think no. I like that. Adama is like, yeah, I couldn't sleep before Big Ops either. So it's almost like this is just like how they are. Yeah, I was a little nervous. I was definitely poking. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's like, obviously, you know, um, the night before a Big Op, it would be you wouldn't just when I do races, it's hard to sleep the night before. And I'm not even like trying to kill Cylons when I do it, so. Yeah, and again, you know, going back to the scene with uh, Adama and um, Starbuck in the gym, you know, it's more, you really get a sense of, like, yeah, this was, Adama was, like, a really great pilot. He went on lots of missions in the first Cylon War. He knows, like, he knows what he's talking about. Like, he really earned his place, um, and he talks about the Viper. He's like, uh, the Mark II. He's like, that's a good ship. <coughs> you know, he's like, it got, got him out of a, lo- a lot of tough scrapes. Um, and we would have seen uh, a lot of those tough scrapes if they went ahead and greenlit uh, Blood and Chrome and it went to series, but it yeah. never did. So he pulls out, he's like, I want to show you something. He pulls out a silver lighter and he tells. He tells Apollo it was Apollo's grandfather's lighter. His mother bought it for them, for him when he was in law school. Um, um, I don't know if they do the scene on Caprica, but we do meet uh, Joseph Adama, whose name is etched on the lighter, and his wife. I like that yeah. in the transcript this says, Note, Apollo should get glasses because the engraving can be clearly seen. <laughs> And read Joseph Adama because Apollo's like, yeah, I can barely make it out. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it's, it's yeah. very clearly etched in there, my my guy. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's so You're a true, pilot. He... That means twenty twenty vision. <laughs> yeah, he does say that. He's like. <laughs> Because I remember getting myself ready to kind of squint and figure it out, and they, it was the night they show it. It's like, oh no, it says Joseph Adama. <laughs> Uh, Adama, you know, and in, in the background, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this a little bit because this is a, this is one of the first. This is the first 
big moment where I, I fell in love with the score for Battlestar. And uh, this is the first, first hint of it. They play um, the Adama family theme, which they'll do full blast a little bit later. Um, but as they're playing that in the background, um, he, you know, Adama was just telling him a little bit about his father. You know, um, he was a better father than I was, he says. I don't know if Adama actually watched Caprica, but his dad had had his own issues. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his dad had a lot of stuff going on. I don't think he. I don't know. I don't know that he was as as good a dad as. Maybe he was a good father, but he just as a man, he had a lot of stuff going on. Um, But anyways, the lucky lighter was something that he like. He said he told Adama that uh, he never lost a case. Unless he left it behind. So <laughs> Apollo, and he's like, I'm going to give you this lighter. And then Apollo takes all of that to mean that he thinks that Adama doesn't think he'll pull off the mission either. Yeah. Sometimes um, it feels like the whole ship thinks Starbucks would do better. Yeah. And then Adama tells him, I don't. And then Apollo's like, how can you be so sure? And Adama's like, Cause you're my son. Yeah. <laughs> and he does a similar, he says a similar thing when, uh, Starbuck, when they, when they had to leave Starbuck mm-hmm. and, you know, Apollo's like, you know, would, would you have left me? And he's like, no, we would have never left, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, he gives him, he gives him the lighter and then he takes off and then Apollo's like, uh, you know, I'm going to bring it back to you. Dama says, you better, or I'll kick your ass. It's a good lighter. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that it's a good lighter part. I would randomly just like be walking around in life for the last 20 years, and it would pop into my head. And I, <laughs> I would see it as like this non sequitur in my brain to random things. It's a good lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's in that same space as you, sometimes you got to roll a hard six, you know, like it feels like it's something that he might have said in his life over time. And we've never heard it before, but we're kind of dropping in in the moment. So, And now, and now we the have main a event. hard to ex- hard to describe on a podcast action sequence. Maybe. I took pretty good notes. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. So, you know, so yeah. So now we're to the main events. Um, and so we're kind of like right into it. And um, so the Galactica jumps in um, into the in the asteroid field. Um, somebody says that they're um, they're in launch range of the Cylon base. Um, Adama, Rosalind, Ty, Starbuck, and Gata, and Baltar, they're monitoring the situation from the room. The raptor's flying out in the distance. Um, Boomer confirms the Cylons have seen the freighter. The freighter jumps in. She She confirms that the freighter has been spotted, and the Cylons go off to pursue it. Um, then Adama orders Strike Force 1. And then D gets on the horn and sends the Vipers into battle. Hot dog, <laughs> hot dog gets in his ship and he looks so confident and cool. Um, 
unlike how we see him in lots of other scenes. Um, so yeah, hot dog. And I think fireballs, the other pilot that we, that we see they're they're in that attack group. Um, (laughs) Starbuck meanwhile is like doubting Lee, uh, still. (laughs) And Adama like starts kind of like, he doesn't quite, he's not scolding her, but he's just like, you know, you need to worry about yourself right now. Cause this is her plan. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like the actual responsibility is on her. Can I just um, say something? Yeah, go ahead. I feel like this episode is the prettiest that Katie Sackhoff has looked on this show up to this point. I don't know if it's the haircut because her hair's slightly different. She just, every scene she was in, I was just like, God, she looks so pretty this episode. So, that's all. I'm glad you said it because if I said it, I'd be like a <laughs> pig. She's, I actually... it's, it's nothing, It's she's not fancy. Like I know like in the next episode we see her in a dress and that's like a big deal. Yeah. But I think she looks better here. Maybe it's because she, even though she isn't feeling confident because this is new, she's not, she says, like, she's never wanted this kind of responsibility, but it's still going to give her confidence that she came up with this plan that they are doing. Mm -hmm. Nobody's fighting her on her ideas. And so there's just this level of, like, self-assurance but also, I think it's her haircut. Yeah, she, I mean, she had to look a lot more respectable. She's in her dress blues a yeah. lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that might be a, a lot to do with it. Um, the only other time I could, I mean, I'm sure it's happened other times. But the only time that stands out in my brain that she's walking around in her, in her dress blues is when she's on the Pegasus a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I never objectified her until the next episode. So... <laughs> That was the first time. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> She's um, also been looking especially beautiful on The Mandalorian this season. I would I would like a spinoff. Just mm. her. I mean, if the way things are going, I think that might be where we're headed anyway. We'll see. Well, she. This I know will... this is a tangent, but she said that she had a lot to do with um, updating the wig and just the general look of Bo-Katan this season, she wanted oh. she wanted her to look closer to what she looks like on the animated series. She said, like, okay. even down to the freckles. And every time I watch it, I'm like, Katie, you're a maniac because you never see the freckles. <laughs> even when know. they have the camera closer to her face, you're not seeing the freckles. But she specifically huh. said in an interview it was really important to her to get those freckles on her face. Hmm. So... I don't know if if that's a part of like the wig that she's wearing on this season is phenomenal. Looks great. Never looks like it's been under a helmet. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's my that's my Katie Sackhoff spiel of of the episode. I don't want to talk about the Mandalorian season three. <laughs> We're not talking about the actual <laughs> show. Just talking about how pretty my girl looks. I'm starting to get grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, like, like, yeah, it's like uh, my friend was like, yeah, it's starting to feel like uh, the Scooby-Doo meets uh, the Harlem Globetrotters. It's like every episode is a cameo. Like, anyways. Yeah, I don't know. I've I st- got, I I've got like thoughts. It. I still like it. But anyways, let's talk about this. <laughs> so then, um, yeah, so the the Vipers are, you know, they're the, uh, oh, the, so the crash down 
says that um, the Cylons have spotted the attack force, so they're actually sending another 50 more raiders to intercept. Mm-hmm. And um, quick Gaius math <laughs> says that they're outnumbered five to one now. And everybody's like, oh, my God, this is starting to spiral. Um, looks like the plan is fracked. Hot Dog and Fireball are engaging the Cylons. Fireball's shot down. Uh, another pilot goes down. Um, a hot, you hear over the uh, over the wireless. Hot Dog says mission outcome doubtful. So um, you know, Gaius is like hand hand in his face. He, you know, everyone's kind of like freaking out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Adana, Adama orders Strike Force One to abort. And hold on, we've got a couple more names here. We've got Spinner. Yeah, yeah, Spinner. And yeah, Deadbolt. Okay. And Spinner goes down. I didn't get Deadbolt. Does Deadbolt go down too or no? Um, I think they both do. Okay. We don't see it. Yeah. This is, we're hearing all of this in the war room. Yeah. I just, I picked up Spinner just because like I was, I heard Spinner's down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't pick up Deadbolt. Um, yeah, those those uh, deadbolt. Like, what is that even like a call sign for? Um, anyways, Adama orders Strike Force One to abort, uh, and then the Cylons, recognizing this, they then head for the Galactica. And this is this is when Bar- <laughs> Baltar's like self preservation <laughs> instinct really starts to kick in. Where not, not self preservation, but you see, like you can see the how stressed he is when mm-hmm. his own personal. His own personal survival is in uh, at stake. Uh, so yeah, so the first wave of fighters they hear the recall and that they're coming after Galactica. The Baltar asks them, "Can't you send reserve fighters from Galactica to protect us?" And Adama tells them very stoically, "There are no reserve fighters. Everything is on the board." Um, and then he gives the ball to Starbuck, mm-hmm. and then Starbuck takes over. This is a really cool moment. Starbuck tells Gaeta to tell D uh, to tell Apollo. <laughs> I only bothered to include that because it's like, oh, you actually see the parts people play. Mm-hmm. Like she tells uh, Apollo the back door is open. When she says that, she says, Godspeed, Apollo. This just made me think about like, you know, much later in the show mm-hmm. when they start to build a relationship. One of the decoy ships which is the Colonial Mover ship that never appeared on the original Battlestar Galactica. You definitely did not send me a video of it. <laughs> That's definitely sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a really interesting design. It looks like a bunch of shipping containers around like a circular center. Yeah. Um, one of the shipping container type deals, containers, falls away. And then you see a whole row of vipers. Was it, it twelve vipers? It was twelve vipers. Okay, I'm gonna say that because <laughs> okay. that's what they say, even though I didn't count. All right, yeah. I didn't think about it until later. Like, oh wait, based on what Six is saying later, was it twelve vipers? Yeah. I need to go back and look. Yeah. So yeah, the vipers all detach from the ship. And they release, and they start to head for the Cylon base. Rosalind is like, whoa, wait a minute. 
Um, she asked Kara, uh, why didn't she tell her that there was another attack force that was hidden? Adama jumps in right away and he says, we, you know, um, I routinely keep tactical information to only people that need to know. I, I, this, there was this whole aspect to the mission that, like, you know, viewer didn't know, um, Rosalind didn't know. Um, so this was a part of the plan. So now I think it seems like, oh, things might actually work out. Um, so now it's all basically on Baltar's calculations. Um, Adama exits the CIC, or he exits and he goes to the CIC. Meanwhile, the Vipers that released in the, the, att- the second attack wave are flying over the asteroid. Um, they're like below the hard deck. Have you ever watch? Uh, uh, you, you haven't seen Top Gun. They talk about that where it's like, certain distance so they're very low to the ground um so it's harder for them to be spotted they encounter um a missile launcher which takes out i think it takes out one of the pilots um they fire some missile missiles but um the cylons disrupt the signal so their missiles go off in different directions Jamming, yeah, there's a jamming the guidance systems is what stepchild yeah. says. You know, stepchild. Yeah, yeah, cat. It was a cat and stepchild, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they're the ones that shoot the missiles. Yeah, and they take off. And then, um, so then it's like okay, that a wrench in their plan. And then Chuckles gets hit. Mm-hmm. It gets shot through the cockpit. It's like in terms of like deaths, it was actually kind of like a cool way to off somebody so he gets shot through the cockpit and he kind of like he starts to fade away he says oh frack and then he crashes um we'll hear his name again in season two in a really cool moment uh so that in apollo um kind of like is assessing the situation and he decides that they need to fly even lower to avoid fire and then he spots something in a little canyon um, and he's like, I have an idea. And he, he says, I'm going to take a closer look. And he flies his Viper into the little canyon. Like Meanwhile, Will Smith in, in uh, yeah. <laughs> Independence Day. Fat lady hasn't sang yet. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. Ty, don't tell me about fat lady. <laughs> I unironically oh. love that movie. Ah, me too. I love it. So good. With, like with all my heart, I love mm-hmm. that movie. Um, between like right after President Rosalind, <laughs> Bill Pullman is my second all-time favorite president. And President Rosalind is in that movie as as yes, the first as, lady. Yeah, as the first lady, she yeah. definitely stepped. She definitely came up um, to her proper rank, Battlestar. And little little May Whitman. Wait, was she, oh she was she the daughter? Mm-hmm. Oh wow, huh? That movie's got everyone. Yeah, d- literally. <laughs> uh, so back in the CIC, Adama then orders the attack one Vipers to turn around and engage the uh, engage the Cylon raiders that were pursuing. <laughs> in my notes, I wrote bagpipes are playing. <laughs> 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 you know the music's starting to go and you're getting some of that uh some of that bsg fight music um then lee we cut back to lee who's uh flying through beggars canyon and uh on tatooine um 
he <laughs> he sees a conveyor tunnel. I feel okay giving Star Wars reference because Ron Moore literally says he modeled this sequence off of Return of the Jedi. Um, oh, um, I I in my head was like, this is so inside the Death Star. Yeah, uh, both. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the whole sequence and, was just so reminiscent of yeah and he's he said um he did say that when they were doing this this uh sequence he told i think gary hutzel's his name the the lead uh visual effects person he says uh he told him to make it look believe like very difficult but not impossible because mm-hmm. he said that like in star wars when the x-wings and the millennium falcon are flying through he's like it look like it looks impossible and i think for that movie it's obviously it's fine but for this he he actually wanted to make it look you know like it would be very difficult to do but not so impossible that there's no way that you know you think he couldn't have pulled it off right um and also he mentioned, and this is actually really interesting, like this sequence is more of a character piece than it is an action sequence. Because um, it's Lee building his own confidence? Yeah, because Lee's basically, he's basically doing what Starbuck would do. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. Um, but he's like, again, he's not, he's he's probably like if you if you took, actual flying skill he's obviously very high up there but again like you said earlier it's not like instinctive to him so it's like he has to maybe try harder to get the same result um and he's definitely not the kind of person to kind of go off book and do anything but he's like i don't think he's doing it to prove that he can do what starbuck does but he's he's opened himself up to other possibilities so the plan had some some roadblocks and he he kind of looked outside of that to kind of come up with something else. So he flies through Beggar's Canyon and finds a conveyor tunnel, a conveyor tunnel, and he decides to go through it. Um, Cat thinks that he's so insane. Um, Baltar thinks he's crazy too. Um, meanwhile, Lee is just vibing right now. He's just like, I'm doing this thing. I'm going to fly through here. Um, he navigates the tunnel um, and he comes... Um, right out on top of the refinery. He's so close that they can't get a firing solution to shoot him. Um, so he just kind of hovers there while he figures out like what to do. Um, and then this is the piece that Baltar is involved in because now he's like, okay, <laughs> we have these targets. I'm going to drop my munitions and this better work. Yeah. So he shoots the munitions and then he bugs out. Um, he's flying away. There's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. And then all of a sudden, a really loud explosion. Cylon base go boom and it's destroyed. Mm-hmm. So Baltar was right. Or at least his guess was correct, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Which and now makes him very relieved because now they're all going to live and he never has to explain himself. Yeah, and he yeah he gets to remain the Cylon detector guy, the Cylon expert they call him. Yeah, how he's um, an expert just because he came up with a device that will detect them that he then lies about. I don't know. <laughs> no. The world will never know. 
Um, and now it's time for a big party. And this is when they play one of my all-time favorite songs from all seasons of Battlestar. We see versions of it that come in um, in later seasons. It's basically the, like, again, it's the uh, Adama family um, theme. Mm-hmm. But the this is like the full bore, like, um, it it's called Wander My Friends. And it's like, has like Gaelic um words um lyrics you know we talked we talked about it last episode like the the bagpipes and the the music you said it sounds like it it makes you think of the titanic yeah not as much (laughs) this version of it this has meant more more bagpipes than pan flute Mm -hmm. but when it's a pan flute it really yeah so everyone's cheering um oh uh this this is one scene that i you know I've watched the show so many times and I just, I never really like keyed in on this one part. And I did this time and like my heart melted. Um, when Starbuck hugs, I mean, I get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps talking right now. Starbuck hugs Rosalind. She's mm-hmm. so happy. She just reaches over and hugs her. And then she's like, Oh, I'm sorry. Ma'am. And then, and then Rosalind's like, oh, no, don't be sorry. And then Rosalind turns and hugs Starbuck. Oh. Like, I don't know why that gets me. <laughs> so do you think that in a couple episodes, Rosalind is going to ask Starbuck to take a little trip back to Caprica and get mm-hmm. this arrow of Apollo? Do you think mm-hmm. that she chose Starbuck because Starbuck came up with this plan and she knows that she's sort of open to doing things a different way. Breaking I mean, the rules uh, a little. Yeah, pe- there's bits and pieces there. Like she, I mean, she saw firsthand what this person was like capable of. She already knows how good of a pilot she is and that kind of stuff. Plus Starbuck um, is the one who came back with the Cylon Raider, so she knows how to fly it. And that, you know, the irony is that she, Rosalind was the one that was like, we got to leave you behind. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think like all little, all little bits of that is what, you know, leads her to select Kara. And that, and that, and again, that sort of like in that moment when they connect is when, you know, kind of sets it on that path for sure. It makes sense why she would ask this person um not that they have like a super strong relationship but they just have this such a beautiful moment it's just so this is like the last time we're actually <laughs> the last time we're going to see any of these people celebrating without anything going wrong um moments later yeah until until we get to the series finale honestly yeah um so this is sort of like this like it's like the last true moment that we get to see where everybody's happy. Like Lee, Lee and Adama have a good relation. Like, you know, they have a resolved relationship. Um, uh, uh, Starbucks in the, is in good graces, the whole crew's celebrating. And then even, even uh crash down and, um, and Sharon walk in, and Sharon, I, the the one thing I love about this episode and um, earlier when she's uh, talking to Crash Down and in this sequence is there's no 
pretext or context of her being a Cylon. It's like mm-hmm. this is the Sharon that like they knew and that we kind of know, you know? Yeah. And this is this is a part of her that we love. And so just the way she walks in drinking the the ambrosia or whatever it is. It's just <clears throat> beer, I think. It's just they're they're all of their defenses are down. And yeah. so that moment with uh Rosalind and, and Starbuck I think is why it gets me so much. It's like, oh their their defenses are just down and they're actually being more of their authentic selves because they're always having to relate to everybody with like kind of a wall because they have to have these roles that they play. Um, but there's something really momentous happened that was great. So they are all full on celebrating. So Trisha Helfer on her podcast, um, not about this episode, the podcast episode about this episode was actually not informative at all. They basically just, did what we're doing just go scene by scene mm-hmm. um but earlier she had talked about sam witwer and how he is just like so white like his <laughs> skin is so white she's like we would go yeah. to the beach and worry about him because he's <laughs> the whitest person i've ever seen and in this scene when they come back onto the ship and then Ensign Davis like runs over a crash and gives him a hug. Yeah. That is the first time I've ever noticed like, God damn, he's like black and white. Like he <laughs> is not even in color. Oh, that's hilarious. So yes, he may be the whitest person on earth. Well, the whitest person in the fleet. <laughs> sure. Sure. But in reality also, maybe <laughs> possibly the whitest person alive. I mean, that's why they had him play the vampire in uh, the American version of... Uh... Uh, if they they would save on Foundation, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, when when uh, uh, Ensign Davis goes over and hugs him, I just that was a really, really great moment. Boomer is just so cute in that moment. I love... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. And it, Lee lights... Uh, 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 Starbucks hands Lee a cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lee lights it with the lighter, and yep. then Adama comes down. He's on the flight deck, cigar in mouth. Apollo tosses it to Papa Adama, and Adama catches it, gives him a fist, fist up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and Lee gives it, like, looks back, and, you know, this is like, again, this is like a, such a great um, moment this episode I really love because it's the really the first one that kind of harkens back to the show I used to love in the 70s where it was basically a lot of dog fighting and we haven't really seen much of that in this one so this was the first time we actually got to see the vipers like doing stuff you know mm-hmm. um in depth and even again Ron Moore talks about that he's he calls it I think he says this episode is the Big Mac episode <laughs> where you know you kind of give the people what they want and um while they while all the other aspects of the show are really great um because this actually isn't my favorite episode from the season as great as it is like an action wise um you know my my favorite episodes are the ones that he um, talks about where there aren't a lot of dogfighting. It's like uh, active contrition, um, you know, 33, that kind of stuff. There's a part of us that shows up for what we got in this episode, too. So they gave it to us and they did it 
he, I think he talks about how they it could have gone bad, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong with a, a Big Mac if you make it with the right ingredients. I think he says something to that effect at the end. So these episodes can be really fulfilling, and it definitely is. Um, so yeah, that it fades out from that great moment. And again, we won't see them have any other celebration that doesn't completely spin into assassination attempts or uh, mutinies from other ships or or anything else till we get to the very end. So let's just enjoy this moment now. And then we fade into Baltar's Baltar's world um, and Head Six is kind of quizzing him on the prophecies of Pythia. Um, she brings up that saying, all of this has happened before and all this, all of this has happened again. And then um, Baltar kind of was like, yeah, everybody knows that expression. She says something to the effect of the Vipers and then Baltar brings up, he brings up that number 12. He's like, oh, there were 12 Vipers. Well, she says, led by serpents, numbering two and 10. And he says, mm-hmm. the Vipers, they're the serpents. Vipers, yeah. Then she goes into the outcome favored the few. It led to a confrontation at the home of the gods. And so Baltar takes this information to mean that he is the hand of God. Yes. So arrogant. So arrogant. It's so funny because he's like, he's like, logically, he arrives at this (laughs) conclusion. There's no other logical explanation for it. She's yeah. like, well, you gave yourself over to him. And it totally goes to his head. Mm-hmm. I am Walter. an instrument of God. And so that is where we get the title, The Hand of God, for this episode. In contrast to some other random episode that has nothing to do with this <laughs> one. And that, kids, is The Hand of God meaning. Um, so, yeah, Gaius looks up. And a really, I think it's like it's like a really cool shot, but also kind of weird. <laughs> um, the camera, he almost looks like, uh, it gives me like hints of like Renaissance Jesus on the cross kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, fade to black in credits. And that is the hand of God. So um, Trisha Helfer also said that they had to stop going to this house because the uh, homeowner and the neighbors just felt like the film crew was causing too much damage, too much, like, bringing the big trucks in and mm-hmm. everything. They So eventually they stopped going to this mm-hmm. house for Baltar's imagination. Mm-hmm. But it is very beautiful. Yeah. Ron Moore talks about it, like, you know, every time it should it shows up a little bit later in the show. And I think he, yeah, he, he tells that same story about them passing. I've been on, I've been on some shoots in people's homes and you know, you do see the crew damaging walls. <laughs> yeah. I was telling my boyfriend about that and he's like, what a film crew caused damage <laughs> to a house. Yeah. If you're, if anyone out there listening, if anyone wants to shoot a film in your home, uh, if you are not prepared to have things broken, um, say no. Yeah. Or if they're going to give you a lot of money, then maybe say yeah. But. Right. Because I don't think that they'll pay for the 
you know, fixing the damage. Yeah. It's a risk you take. Uh, was Baltar the worst this week? Um, I am going to say no, but he was definitely sketch just because he put the fate of <laughs> the entire human race on a guess. a guess. But he part of that was him going through the process of trusting in this idea of God for him. So ultimately it all worked out. But that was, a, that was a big risk to take. I, the same the same way I feel about Luke Skywalker trusting the Force instead of just using the nav computer. It's like, dude, <laughs> like just use the computer, man. Like, come on. But anyway, um, I also said no, and I I said that no one was particularly bad this week. Yeah. Who gets Literally. full colors? I gave full colors to Lee Apollo Adama. I gave him to Starbuck. Oh, interesting. That was her plan. Yeah, I mean, it's true, but I have to give it to the man. No, well, that is so sexist of you. Oh, no, you know. Fuck the I mean, patriarchy. Yeah. We're, we're going to be smashing the patriarchy over the course of the next four seasons. <laughs> <laughs> who would you throw out the airlock um again i don't oh i mean <laughs> kind of in relation to is baltar the worst i actually put him down but kind of kind of because i had to put someone down <laughs> i mean i, I don't have think to of anybody to put down honestly yeah but it, it he he sort of encapsulates what i said it's kind of like I don't think he was the worst, but man, you like, like this whole thing was hinging on like you knowingly lying. If he, if he didn't knowingly lie, it might've been a little bit different, but yeah, I don't really think anybody needs to go out of the airlock either. So. And who's your favorite Cylon? Boomer. Yeah, same. I specifically said Boomer for giving crush down shit. Yeah, forgive him. He's like, she was just so charming. <laughs> she, like, it just felt so... I was laughing along with them. And like I said, at the in the end sequence, she just... I was like, oh, this is like, this is the boomer that we never really get to see. And pretty soon we'll never see again. Ever. Uh, that's it for my question. So where can people find us? Where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram, the Armageddon. The second E is a three, the Armageddon. And uh, I also appear on uh, Podcasting After Dark's The TV Obscura. We're actually recording an episode in a couple of days. We're doing tropical, I think it's like tropical crime shows. Hmm. <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> So burn notice? Yeah. Um, no. So we're. I mean, yeah. Because like we're we're all doing. It's like obscure TV, right? So we're and we're all from like we're all doing like early '90s shows. So like most of the people probably haven't heard of most of these shows, or you know, you might have heard of it, and you're like, oh, I remember that. What happened to that show? So that's what we're doing. Um, my show is a show called One West Waikiki. Um. 
And it all halfway inspired me to actually go to school in Hawaii, actually. Mm. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, so we're doing that. Um, and then I also have uh, the first Noel Chronicles, which is my audiobook slash podcast of my fantasy novel, The First Noel. And just last couple weeks, I also started a new uh, project. It's called The Boops of Life. And it is me doing um, narration for um, basically inspirational videos, insights into how to approach life. If anybody's into uh, wellness and um, thinking about how to overcome obstacles and that kind of stuff, I'm doing that as well. We have, uh, you can find us on, for that, Boops of Life on TikTok, Instagram, and our long form videos are on YouTube. Okay. That sounds fun. Yeah. And then the rest of it, you can find me in these streets. Just <laughs> running around, getting in trouble. You can find my past podcasting shows um, on the Unspoiled Network. I covered Doctor Who, Lost, Band of Brothers, Punisher, Vampire Diaries, some scattered book stuff. Um, I think that's. It. And uh, you can find our Twitter at GalacticActPod. You can email us at GalacticaActuallyPodcast at gmail.com. Still have not gotten any emails, guys, so please give us your feedback. Also, go on to iTunes and give us five-star ratings so we can jump up in the searches. And next week we have Colonial Day. Where Starbuck wears a dress. <laughs> That's uh, where I started to become Team Starbuck. <laughs> uh, I was already Team Starbuck. The dress is nice, but it's basically the only time we're ever going to see her like that, so enjoy it while it lasts. And until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.